What's going on, everybody? This is Noah Alvarez, and you are tuned into another episode of the My Mike and I podcast. I want to thank everybody for listening. Appreciate you guys, ladies and gentlemen. Be sure to like, follow, and subscribe to the podcast. Be sure to follow us on social media too, at my period Mike and period I if you're on Instagram, and at underscore Noah Alvarez if you are on Twitter. I'm also on Facebook, but I don't really go on there. So good luck trying to get me get a hold of me on that. Now, before we get into this week's show, I did want to remind you guys that this episode is brought to you by Popple.co, spelled P-O-P-L dot C-O. What it is, it's a new digital business card. It's an attachment that goes onto the back of your phone, and let's say whether you, you, know, you do concrete, you flip houses, you sell cars, you have a clothing brand, let's say you sell artwork, doesn't matter what you do. If you're a small business owner and you'd like to promote your brand, basically with someone you come in contact with i know we're not going out a whole lot due to covid but let's say you do meet someone and they're interested in your business well instead of fumbling for one of your many business cards and trying to find where where you left last left them you can have the popple attachment instead and what you do is you program it on the app what you want to display to someone so it could be a paypal account or an instagram account or a personal website or you know a business website or a a link to an Amazon discount code, your Twitter, your Zelle, doesn't matter. You can promote it to anything you'd like. So it's really great for those small business owners. If you're trying to get your brand out there, you meet someone at the gym, you meet someone at the park, you meet someone wherever you're social distancing at, be sure to check out popple.co. And if you use promo code LOCKER, you will get 20% off on every single purchase. That's promo code LOCKER for 20% off on every single purchase. Now, I also want to remind you guys, too, about phoenixfit.com, spelled F-N-X-F-I-T.com. It's an athletic supplement brand. They have your pre-workouts, post-workouts, BCAAs, and a whole lot of other stuff. I currently use the CBD gummies to help me fall asleep at night, and I, whoo, trust me, I get the best nights of sleep when I'm on those. And I also use the Cricket Protein, which is a lot more efficient and eco-friendly than the regular protein that we get that's made primarily out of beef products. So... A lot less waste, a lot less water used, so you're saving the environment and getting these gains at the same time. Guess what? And if you use promo code my Mike and I with the letter N, so that's my Mike, the letter N I, you can get 15% off on everything at PhoenixFit.com. That's spelled F N X F I T.com. Use promo code my Mike and I with the letter N for 15% off. Boom. All right. Now, thank you to Generic Sports for producing the instrumental playing in the background. Thank you to Vince Correa for designing the Mike and I logo that you are seeing in your screen. A shout out to True 100 for also allowing the Mike and I podcast to be a part of that network and the online station. If you're listening on there, be sure to uh, well, shout out to you guys if you're listening. If not, be sure to check out True 100. We have an airtime online radio station and we're just building a lot of great stuff there. Basically a collection of different podcasts, uh, different networks. I have podcasts like the Lock Talk and the Double Down Sports Podcast will also be airing on that. You can check out their schedule as well. So stay tuned for more information on True 100 as we will be releasing that. We will be uh, going live very soon. That being said, now let's go ahead and introduce this week's guest. Drum roll, please. This week's guest is none other than the Jesse Lopez. She's running for city council in the city of Santa Ana, War 3 to be specific, which is 17th Street and up. 
and we talk about her journey to running of obviously eventually this year to city council but also her journey to going back to school she didn't go to a university right after high school but we talk about her journey working in a law firm we also talk about what it's like to be a first generation college student also talk about her uh, parents and their journey from El Salvador so it's a really dope conversation uh, I believe this will be the last of the candidates interviews that I could get before the election day so again thank you to all the candidates that were a part of this podcast and that were on this fall and so without further ado I hope you enjoy the conversation with Jesse Lopez and myself well, thank you again for hopping onto the show and you know being a part of the podcast yeah I'm so excited. <laughs> I know we touched base earlier this week and, you know, I told you, like, I'm such a big, like, fanatic of podcasts. Mm-hmm. I've been listening for many years now. And so uh, I'm very excited to be here. So thank you for inviting me. Mm-hmm. Of course. So I wanted to flash back a little bit and kind of, well, I read that you, and out of high school, you didn't necessarily go right into college. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to ask, like, what was kind of your mind state in high school as you were kind of deciding on different you know where you want to take the next path in life yeah I was I was already working you know when I was a senior in high school I was already responsible um, for my half of the rent in the apartment and so my mindset was like I have to work you know Um, I have to work I have bills to pay at a really young age and so I decided that I wanted to put all my focus on on building my my career in corporate America and so I was working for a law firm and, you know, my dad has always been a big proponent of, of education yeah. in general. And so he would always tell me, like, uh, go back to school. When am I going to see you graduate? And him and my my mom, um, they never got the opportunity to finish, like, even elementary school. Oh, wow. And so, you know, they've always told me that no matter what happens in life, um, that education is something no one can take away from me. Yeah. And so being in corporate for so long... Um, you realize, you know, that you plateau to a certain extent. And in order to climb the corporate ladder, you need like a higher education. Because at the time it was all about graduating high school, like you made it, right? Yeah. <laughs> and then going off and getting your BA. And um, I was I was like at SAC on and off. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, I'm gonna take this seriously. Like I wanna be in like the administrative world for, for law firms and um, you know, and, and going to school really, really did change the trajectory of my life in a lot of ways. And so that is why I didn't go directly or or actually take my studies as seriously as yeah. I probably should have. Um, because I was I was working and I was so focused on building my career at a, at a really young age and, mm-hmm. and making money, yeah. you know, to yeah. provide for myself. Yeah. And so that's where I was at at that point in my life. Yeah. yeah. Or some of your goals while you're at the law firm, were you trying to get into like maybe being an attorney? Or you know, I lawyer? started at the law firm because um, I was a student at Santa Ana High School and mm-hmm. my teacher, my history teacher, Mrs. Katz, I had talked to her class about this opportunity with the Orange County Bar Foundation and Project South. Um, and it really, and it, it was a competition amongst all of Santa Ana Unified School District. Mm-hmm. And so all of the juniors from the high schools were competing for internships oh, to these okay. like prestigious law firms that we had never heard about. We didn't even know existed in our community. And um, and it was a competition. You had to submit your resume, like this essay, and you had to interview. And I did really well for myself and I ended up getting placed at Latham and Watkins. And um, you know, for me, I wanted that. I had that curiosity of going into law firms because I thought about being an attorney. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, growing up here in the city, 
one thing that I always heard was like, get out of Sanana. Yeah. You know, once you get out, like that's the epitome of success. Right. There's nothing here for you. You're gonna go off and be a doctor. These really high level careers, right? right? And so I was like, well, I, I don't want to be a doctor. Like I knew that. And so I was like, well, maybe an attorney. Mm -hmm. um, and so I was like, let me let me apply to this and let me see what the life of an attorney is mm -hmm. and so i applied and through that i was like i don't want to be an attorney <laughs> you know um it's a really uh, it's a job that i very very much respect uh, a lot of i've met a lot of amazing people um it brought a lot of great opportunity into my life you know i i got to help with some pro bono cases in in terms of being a translator for mm -hmm. for for folks um but it, i don't have i don't yeah it's not what i wanted to do with my career yeah yeah okay so when did you got whether it was at the law firm or while you're taking classes at santa Ana college when did you kind of realize this is what i want to get into and then you know get into like more committed as far as going to university and stuff like that I think it was while I was working and also it was having like my parents voice there of you have to go higher, you mm -hmm. know, in this country. They they knew that they understood that. Right. And at a really young age, I didn't. I couldn't foresee that far. Yeah. Yet. Um, and so and also like I one of my best friends um, had gone to UCSB. Oh, okay. And so we would go to UCSB <laughs> and party up there. You know, yeah. they were known as a party it's, school. It still is, yeah. <laughs> and so I was like, you know what? This is kind of cool. And then through that, we ended up meeting other folks that were like at UCLA or USC, yeah. um, CSU Northridge. And so I was like, okay. And then <laughs> this is probably a really bad motivating factor. But at the time, I was like, this is cool to experience like this party culture. You know, mm -hmm. I was so young. And so I was like, I should lo look into going back into school um but ultimately like the motivating factor for me was my parents mm -hmm. you know and i wanted to graduate college for them yeah and when i was in college i wanted to do it for them but for myself mm -hmm. and for all of the friends that i lost along the way that weren't gonna have that opportunity mm -hmm. and so it opened my eyes to like what an amazing opportunity this is um and i should be doing this and i'm glad that i'm doing it now and for me there's no such thing as as it's too late yeah you know because even when i was at Sachs studying like geometry or algebra 2 there was people that i was meeting like in our study circles that were fathers like yeah. in their 50s and 60s yeah. and to me i was like that is so amazing you know here i am talking to somebody from a community that has lived a life and is still has decided to come back to school and right. so all of those little things have always been motivating factors for me to to, to go uh you know to finish school yeah that was an interesting too i first attended golden west and i met people for who just got out the military people who spent mm -hmm. you know a decade or two in the military fathers you know immigrants from like vietnam because yeah. golden west is really close to westminster so you had a lot of that population so it's really interesting to see the lives that people have lived, yeah. right? And they could tell you all these kind of different stories. Yeah, when you have to work together on group projects, I know sometimes they stink, but other times you get some really good stories. <laughs> yeah. You get to meet some cool people, and I was, I was always like pretty uh, grateful yeah. that I had those experiences. Yeah, me too. I'm terrible at math. It's probably <laughs> why it took me so long to get out of SAC. Mm -hmm. um, 
But, you know, the friends that I met there and, and people, you know, older folks telling me, look, this is this has been my life experience. Like you don't want yeah. to work in warehouses. You don't want yeah. to do these things. Um, and people that had language barriers, like you said, mm-hmm. you know, like people that only spoke Spanish mm-hmm. and were there thriving at statistics. I was like, <laughs> if they can do it, I can, too. And right. why not? Um, and so that is one of my most fond memories of being a student at SAC and um, we were all struggling in this statistics class that is a required course to like go higher and transfer out and we built this little amazing community where we would come on campus and meet Saturday mornings and help Mm. each other out um, and throughout class times too and so that is a really nice sweet memory that I'll forever cherish Mm -hmm. Now you mentioned earlier too that your parents didn't get to finish elementary Mm -hmm. school what was your parents background like? So my parents are from El Salvador. Mm -hmm. My entire family is from Central America. And so El Salvador was riddled, you know, in the 70s, 80s Mm -hmm. with a very brutal, bloody civil war that tore their communities apart. Mm -hmm. And so coming from that, politics um, is, is death. Yeah. you know to our families when we think about when we think about even getting into these spaces and so that is one of the reasons why my parents never got to finish school it was it was all about war at that time wow. and also you know for them they were not the oldest but they were the older mm-hmm. siblings and uh, they had to also work to provide because mm-hmm. it was a very impoverished country at the time and so my mom used to live like like in the mountains you know and so they would have to walk you know barefoot down to the city or or carry corn or coffee things like that and so just to be able to provide for all of my tios and my tias Mm -hmm. and um, that is another reason why they were never able to finish school and so um, in retrospect here being a first generation daughter like I knew that I didn't have the same struggles as my mom Mm -hmm. and there was absolutely no excuse for me as somebody that did pretty well you know in school to not go above and beyond and 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 attain that yeah and i I feel like when you have that kind of background from your parents or someone in your family it motivates you a little bit more right because you hear those stories growing up and you being your parents like my grandparents uh he was in the bracero program right so Mm -hmm. he would migrate from mexico come seasonally to pick Mm -hmm. different fruits or veggies or whatever he would have to pick and then go back but that's what Mm -hmm. he did for a long time until he could bring his family over here and I just thought, you know, like my parents always kind of reminded me of that story just to kind of like whenever I was lacking in motivation or felt like, I don't know, maybe sometimes lost. But it was just, I don't know, it would always kind of motivated me to hear those stories. And it, it's a trip because like that's what our you know generations or our family backgrounds come from. And then when you go to college, you meet, you know, people who had like great grandparents go to college. And it's like, that's know, a thing, right? you know, like that was a thing back like, in the day. So Yeah, no, it's true. Um, college opened me up to a different segment of people where it was like oh my dad's an attorney or and i'm like what like (laughs) your parents have degrees too you know um and so it was really really important i think also growing up here in the city or just you know as as first generation kids Mm -hmm. we understand at a really young age that 
there's a big emphasis in education because we see education as a way out of poverty. Right. Um, and in order for us to get out of poverty, um, we have to attain, mm-hmm. you know, higher degrees. But it's also another way for us to bring our families right. out of poverty. Right. And so for me, it was something that I, I did think about, you know, at the time was like, well, let me go to school. Let me make a lot of money and mm-hmm. let me provide for my family. Right. You know, and I think that that's something that often doesn't get talked about but mm-hmm. it is you know sometimes our parents look to us too for yeah. what what is the future going <laughs> to look for us you yeah. know for better or for worse yeah because at the end of the day they kind of laid the groundwork for us yeah. right they put in so much work that hopefully we never have to in our lives experience the work or the sacrifices that yeah. they had to make you know what yeah. i'm saying and then hopefully we could do something similar in a different style but for our gen you know our next generations whether you don't have kids aunt, nieces nephews that kind of thing you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. absolutely so what was the decision to attend cal state long beach i wanted to go to uc santa cruz mm-hmm. that was my dream school okay. sac actually had i think it was like a summer program where they would take you to uc davis santa cruz berkeley i um, mean i think marcet at the time and um, I went to Davis and I was like, this little town is not for me. <laughs> um, Berkeley, I was like, Berkeley's cool. I love the Bay, but I love the Redwoods at Santa Cruz. I love the, the ocean view that you got from campus. Yeah. I love the really laid back f- feel that the town had. Um, and I could envision myself walking through the dorms and the campus. And so that was what I wanted to do. That was my dream school. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, for personal uh, reasons, I decided not to go there. Um, But I'm very happy that I ended up at CSULB, which is like the number one Cal State here. Um, And that, like I said, opened me up to a different group of people in my life. Like, um, you know, having different friends from different races was really important and life changing Mm -hmm. for me. Something that I didn't necessarily experience here. And so, and and through that, like um, through the sociology program that I entered, I got to work with Lane and Unite Here Mm. um, and do community work within Long Beach. Mm -hmm. And that made me open my eyes and say, I wonder if this is happening in Santa Ana. Because this work is really fulfilling for me and I can see how empowering it is for the families of Long Beach. Mm -hmm. And I want to be a part of that in my hometown. Mm. Um, And so coming back home, I knew that I didn't want to go back into corporate and so and prior to that I had left um, I had left Latham because I decided to go study abroad and so I studied foreign policy in London oh nice yeah and so coming back I knew like this is what I want to do you know in my hometown and yeah. so that's how I kind of transitioned over to community work okay yeah. how, how was that experience in you know a whole other country in London it was good yeah. it was really good um, I wanted to like go to Germany, but I was like, oh, I don't know the language. That's gonna be too hard. Yeah. Um, and I thought London is London is far, but I'm still gonna be able to like communicate. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's still gonna be somewhat of a culture shock, you know. Right. And I thought I was gonna be fine, and then you get there and you realize like, damn, I still need to pay for all of these things, yeah, right, yeah. to like live here and survive. Mm-hmm. And um, at the time I was working two jobs, I used to work at Sephora in downtown Disney. Mm-hmm. And I used to work at the law firm. Um, but I was paying for schooling and I was paying for like my housing. Um, and that was like not cutting it. Yeah. Um, so I was like, why would I decide to go study abroad? <laughs> <laughs> um, 
but it was a really great experience. I was probably the oldest student there because mm-hmm. everybody was coming like fresh out of high school for them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and you're stuck in a dorm with a bunch of people that for the first time they have no supervision. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it was really fun. Um, but also the way that their modules are set up are differently than, mm-hmm. than America. And so that was a really good way for me to, I was like, oh, this is a different way of learning that I really adapted really well to mm-hmm. um, and that I enjoyed. And my professors there, like I, I follow them on Twitter. <laughs> like I'll email them still from time to time. And I'm like, your class was very impactful. Thank you. Yeah. And, um, and I still like the friends that I made, I still keep in touch with. And those are just really fun memories. Awesome, no yeah. regrets. Yeah, no, that sounds really cool. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Was there? What were some other challenges that you faced going through school? I know you mentioned earlier working yeah. two jobs. You know, I think being first generation is a challenge within itself. Mm-hmm. Like the FAFSA application can yeah. be very, really frustrating. Um, they require like your parents' taxes, all this information, right? That they're just like, why do you want that information? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like asking my dad. My dad is so skeptical about providing okay. any of his like private information. And so I was like, dad, I need it for school. So mm-hmm. things like that, having to educate them on that um, was a challenge at the very beginning. And then also, you know, being a student that was navigating like a higher education institution mm-hmm. where I really, really like wholeheartedly believe that my activism could change something. And I'm not yeah. saying that it can't, but it takes a lot of work. Yeah. And um, coming from, you know, and we were fortunate enough that at CSULB there had been groundwork that I had that had already been laid by, you know, many other generations before me. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was always really frustrating when administration would like ignore you mm. or were, they would just brush you off. Um, and we were, you know, like demanding really simple things like computers. Yeah. Oh. You know, like um, art programs for like the students that were in, 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 in the art program at school and that we didn't have access to. We needed printing paper. Mm-hmm. We didn't even have that. And so they expected us to supply that. Mm-hmm. And um, we were already paying tuition. I was paying for my housing, food. I was commuting. I commuted for like one semester. Um, you know, and so that was a struggle of being able to be a well-rounded student because it's not enough to just go to school. Right. You have to be able to work. You yeah. have to be able to get internships to get that job experience. You have to be able to present yourself as a culturally aware student, yeah. as somebody that um, hasn't just buried their heads in the books, that yeah. is aware of what is going on in their surroundings. Um, and that was what we were hearing. Like, if you're going to go to a job interview, your A's are not enough. Yeah, right? no, they're not. You have to be <laughs> a stellar human being. Yeah. Um, and I really bought into that and so I was working two jobs I was involved with clubs I was volunteering I was doing everything that I thought was gonna uh, you know make my resume stand out because I also did under you know I I had worked in human resources in the past and um, and yeah it's true to an extent you know we want to see uh, what you bring to the table right um, and having A's is just not enough yeah. and so having finding that balance of like your work your life your education mm-hmm. was really difficult and also um, financing that life was really difficult yeah. too yeah and that's something I wish they talked about more whether you're barely getting into college like from a high school age or just while you're in college is understanding that like it's not all about the books mm-hmm. to the point where like my senior year I kind of just like I, I was naturally pretty good at school, so I didn't have to mm-hmm. try very hard. 
So I put minimal effort, got like some season Bs, and then everything else was like extracurricular. That's where all my main focus would go. I mean, there'd be a lot of times where I'd fall asleep in class, and you know, like my friends would like be bugging me afterwards, like, why are you falling asleep? Like, honestly, this is my downtime. Like, I'm a, I need my energy for other things. Yeah. And, you know, I, I understand that you do need the A's or the, the good grades to get the degree. But it's un, like it's more than just having those A's that will help you get jobs later down in the future. And I think that's something that a lot of kids coming out of high school. Yeah. Because I went to the junior college route as well. So I was a little older and I hung out with a lot of freshmen. But I felt like a lot of them were sometimes, you know, confused about the concept of college. Of just, you know, in high school, you don't really have to do a lot of extracurriculars. If you do get A's, a lot of times you can get into most schools, right? Or if you get A's and B's, that kind of thing. And then when you get to college, you think, okay, it's the same thing. I can just go to class, do whatever on the side that I want to, social life, et cetera, et cetera, and then come out with a job and essentially move up the ladder. But it's not like that, and I wish that message was kind of more construed, you know? Yeah. It's, you know, you just reminded me of two things. The sleeping story. Yeah. I was in my, I was, um, it was my first semester at CSULB, and I was taking a comms class because um, I wanted to have a minor in communications. And um, another thing that I don't think we talk enough about is the rush to get out of school, to get accepted, but to get out of school. And, mm-hmm. and so now when I talk to young people, I tell them, take your time. Yeah. D- don't be in a rush, <laughs> you know, take your time, truly. And so I was taking like 15 units and working two jobs. So mm-hmm. you can imagine how hectic yeah. and how heavy that schedule was. And I fell asleep in one of my comms classes. It was a night class. Yeah. And I woke up. Like, and I just like, you know, when you wake up, you're like, oh shit. Yeah. Yeah, I woke up like that. And I was sitting at the front. Okay. It was like the worst decision that I had made. And my professor's like standing right in front of me. And he's essentially making an example out of me to Uh, the class. And he's like, this is why you don't take night classes if you can't handle it. Yeah. And I was like, if you only knew, you know, what my schedule looks like. Um, And so I decided no more night classes. Like, I'm going to be a full-time student. Like, I really want to dedicate my my time to this. Mm -hmm. Um, So that experience, like, never has (laughs) never left me. Um, But also, too, like... um, you know, there's a saying when you're in school, like C's get you degrees, yeah, but they don't get you into your master's program. True. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so I was like, okay, I cannot have one C on my roster. Like I have to be this great student, whatever. Um, but by the time I was a senior, I was like, I'm over academia. <laughs> I'm okay with these C's. Give me my degree, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so I think it's like a, a fair balance because I went into it being so scared like I have to be this like cookie cutter student Mm -hmm. and I left being so different Mm -hmm. and those are the conversations that I love to have with young people now like it doesn't have to be one way you know the traditional way that we're talked or or told that it has to be right yeah and I think a lot of times because you see at least in like movies or tv shows like they kind of portray college as one thing or another but you know they're not a lot of light portrayed on I guess like the newer style where Mm -hmm. you not so much focus on the school but you're not part you know it's not all partying or social life either it's a lot of like hey you know networking and like who can I you know basically you know try and get a part of different projects mm-hmm. and meet just different people I think that's like the biggest thing mm-hmm. you know part of college experience. yeah and not just media I, I would say that like even in our real life right when mm-hmm. we look to this one person made it it's because they did this and they were oh, yeah. such a great kid in school yeah. and you know so things like that like i i always kind of like i'm like uh you can be a great kid a yeah. great human being and not be a an a straight a student mm-hmm. you know so yeah and that's okay. the that's the biggest thing i tell like i work i get to work with kids and so i just get to relay that message because i have seen all that and it's mm-hmm. like you know there's there's people who are doctors or who are now doctors 
but you know we're you know a mess in high school or middle school so it's just mm-hmm. it's really just you know there's all there's a method to everyone's madness and not everyone's going to learn the same way you know there's like that meme where it's like you can't judge or grade a fish on you know how they can fly right because mm-hmm. obviously they're going to fail so it's kind of like learning how everyone learns and then kind of like grooving them towards wherever their interests yeah. are and that kind of thing and we also need to be able to give people um the room to mm-hmm. learn you know because i think a great example is that like for for lawyers nobody asks you what your score is on the bar yeah you know they just know you pass yeah and they know that you have experience on your under your belt and that experience speaks for itself mm-hmm. and so that is why they're coming to you for help now mm-hmm. um so things like that you know are, are, are really important and not so much placing an emphasis on like these tests that society tells us right are like a measure of, yeah. of, of our intelligence mm-hmm. so things like that yeah so you mentioned while you're at cal state long beach you got to do some work in the community was it something that you're able to do right away here in Santa Ana, or did you have to take some time to as far as like, no organization? um i knew that I didn't want to be that person that came back home and was like, I have all of the answers. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, I, for, so first and foremost, like I needed to educate myself on yeah. what were the organizations that were already here, um, what orgs were working together, and where could I like help uplift, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I started to go to like all the meetings. Mm-hmm. That is really how I started. I'm a very inquisitive person to begin with. Mm-hmm. So I will always kind of question things and ask questions. And so I go to everything that I can go to. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I started going to community workshops, community meetings that the city was hosting. Um, I was going to council meetings um, and like flyers would be circulated on Facebook and I'd be like, oh, this looks cool. Like, I'll go, I'll check it out. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I liked it, I would come back. And if I didn't like it, I wouldn't come back. Yeah. Um, and I just started to do like a lot of research on my own. And then that's how I ended up figuring out what orgs were already in the city mm-hmm. and what I wanted to support. And so that's kind of still the, the mindset or the approach that I take to things. Mm-hmm. Um, because I don't think that I'm like the w- one person with all of the answers yeah. to things, right? And there's already work that has been established here. And one of the really cool things that I found out was there's been a long history of organizing here in the city, yeah. you know, th- that um, that Santaneros have been at the forefront of. Yeah. And so one of the things that I heard like during this election was like, nobody cares about politics here in the city. <laughs> and I was like, no people have cared for a long time you just don't know the history of that in the city so i think there's a big difference there Mm -hmm. um and so you know when we talk about like rent control issues that's something that has been going on for years here when we talk about defending public land that's Mm -hmm. something that has been going on for years here um and just like equity in general that's something that community members have been asking for for a really long time Mm -hmm. and so like those are all the fights that i like to get to know about and learn more about um and then ask myself how can i help how can i help yeah yeah and you mentioned it earlier when we were talking about how the the narrative at least when you grow up in Santa Ana is to get a degree and get out of Mm -hmm. Santa Ana and I think maybe that's why sometimes the the feeling is like we don't care about politics or we don't care about different things because it's 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 as if you were if you can make it out then you're gonna leave right why 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 would you stay here if you had any kind of success any kind of plan business opportunity etc but I think that's also that uh, misconstrued narrative too there's a lot of people who do come back Mm -hmm. and that's the coolest thing I think about like starting this podcast and interviewing different people of the community is you get to see a lot of people who are coming back whether it's in different departments right whether it's through law you know um, 
all kinds of things. I'm kind of drawing a blank right now, but mm-hmm. all kinds of stuff, you know, and you kind of see the different candidates and what their background is. And it's just interesting to see like how many people actually do give back. And I think we need to highlight those people more because mm-hmm. it is kind of misconstrued as a, even in all like urban cities, right? That have a lot of like, you know, mm-hmm. violence and crime. It's like, hey, if you get, you know, successful by any means, get out of here. But that's, I think that kind of ruins the city itself furthermore. It does. Um, because number one I think that we're alluding to the fact that like get out because there's something here for you but my family is here I'm not gonna abandon my family Mm -hmm. and why wouldn't I want to give back to the community that in one way or another helped me Mm -hmm. right right and so I think that there's a lot of young talent here I think that there's a lot of young people that are often um, sidelined and we focus on like the one or two bright stars and say Okay, so now you go to the world and you represent the city of Santa Ana um, when that representation comes in different forms and different ways. And so for me, uh, I'm very fortunate that I didn't necessarily buy into that rhetoric of like getting out of the city is the epitome of success Mm -hmm. Um, because I always thought about this. I was like, well, my family's here. My friends are here. Like all of my fond memories are here. Mm-hmm. Um, how can I help it make it better for everyone? Mm-hmm. You know? And so again, I think it's almost like along the lines of the rhetoric that we hear now, like, Hey, I, when I was in college, I had to pay thousands of dollars. Therefore yeah. you must suffer as well and pay <laughs> yeah. thousands of dollars. Right. right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, but if we have a different way of doing things, why wouldn't we want to do yeah. it that differently? Yeah. So that's what I ask folks. Yeah, it largens the generational gap, right? Not with just even college and the cost, but just with everything. It's like, if we suffered, you guys have to suffer. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, no, actually, like, you know, sorry that you suffered, but we have this technology or we have, you know, different yeah. information And it's not even now. on the same scale anymore, right? you know, so. Uh-uh. It is it, right? It's, it's hard to compare. I know, like, the biggest thing my parents would kind of get on me about, like, you know, moving out after I finished college. And it's like, you know, the minimum wage and like the cost of wow, living here is that. like way different now, you know? And so, yeah. uh, you know, cause I remember they just continue to hound me for it. And it's just like, okay, well it's very different than when you guys grew up. Cause yeah. at, you know, young twenties, they were able without a college mm-hmm. degree to save up for a place. And it's like, all right, I wish it was, you know, and I, I attainable. probably could. Yeah. I wish it was more attainable. It probably is, but I'd have to, you know, kind of live in the dirt for a long time and do mm-hmm. different things that wouldn't be necessarily what my college degree was for so be kind of like almost like a waste of the degree mm-hmm. so it's just kind of like going through that battle for sure but you know that generational gap only gets i think wider and wider it sometimes does, it does yeah but, but honestly i've never heard of um i'm assuming your parents are latinos yeah. latinos parents telling you know their boys get out of the house oh no i know yeah <laughs> so i was like oh okay yeah <laughs> i know what the the rarity but they're pretty my parents both or my dad was born here my mom moved here really young oh, so that okay. i say they're more uh i guess you could say americanized or kind mm-hmm. of you know more yeah. um with the culture here than previously mm-hmm. in mexico okay. Okay. but yeah <laughs> so the, so why did you decide to run for city council this year oh man <laughs> um you know i th- i think in a in a small way it's a natural progression to Mm -hmm. the work um, that I was already doing in the city Mm -hmm. as I said uh, you know going to council meetings and being ignored or being ridiculed to Mm -hmm. the extent that they would always say yeah yeah yeah. Mm -hmm. you know you're just another voice you're not going to turn out to vote it doesn't matter Mm -hmm. you know and so for me I got to a point where I realized like what is beyond organizing for me Mm -hmm. um, personally and how if if we're gonna how much longer can I keep coming to a city council meeting 
and asking for things mm-hmm. um, and realizing that that ask is never going to be fulfilled. Yeah. And so for me, it was realizing that we needed to have somebody at the dais that had voting power mm-hmm. um, and not just anyone at the dais because we know that that doesn't work anymore, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and we needed to have someone that was rooted in the community, that understood these fights, that understood the intersectionality of of our lived experiences and how that impacted all of us. Mm-hmm. And so I I decided it was it was it was a thought, it was a really faint thought at the very beginning and I was very scared. I didn't know if I could do it. Um, I didn't know what that would come with to be honest mm-hmm. because we've seen how disgusting politics get here in the city. Yeah. And so I didn't want to put my family through that at all. Mm-hmm. Um and so you know and I was like, okay, maybe this isn't for me. You know, mm-hmm. I didn't study poli sci. I didn't come from the, a political family. Yeah. I didn't have that background. Um, and I knew nobody. Like, I was in a commissioner. I had no connections to anyone, right? And yeah. so I was like, I don't even know if I could do this. Mm-hmm. And so I kept coming back, coming back, and the thought just wouldn't leave me. Yeah. And I was like, okay, well, I can either live my life with regrets or I can live my life at the end of the day and realize, like, I tried this and it didn't work out. Mm-hmm. Um, but now I know that... I have to help build in a different capacity. Right. Um, and so I talked to a couple of my friends here in the city and, um, you know, people were very supportive. Some people said to my face, you're crazy. <laughs> Some people said, why don't you run for something else? Mm-hmm. People asked me not to run for city council. People um, alluded to the fact that I wasn't smart enough to understand policy. And so I said, no, like, this is my hometown. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to be a spectator of the politics here anymore. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm going to run for city council Mm -hmm. and I'm going to represent my district because I know it the best. Mm -hmm. And so ultimately, that was a decision that was made um, last year. And prior to that, I knew that I wanted to be a very well-prepared candidate. I didn't want to be a truthfully a mediocre candidate, which is what we see most of the time. Yeah. And so I did a lot of uh, things to help me understand how campaigns worked and um, the digital end of campaigning and what it would take. And you can, and this is like, <laughs> like that exam situation, right? You can study, you yeah. can study, but how, are, how, how do you right. uh, quiz your, how do you perform is like ultimately uh, the benchmark, correct? Right. And so I, I think I did all these things, but and everybody told me, you know, like, you're crazy, you're crazy, you're, you don't understand what you're getting yourself into. Um, and I think that ultimately there's a little bit of truth to that. Mm-hmm. Because I can, I could have read all these things, but being a candidate in itself is so different. Yeah. Um, and the, the pressure that that brings um, is, is a lot and it's a heavy one. And um, you're under a microscope. So everything that you say, everything that you do is going to be magnified. Um, and it's going to be then attached to my family or to my friends in order to attack my candidacy. You know, I understood that. And so those are all the things that held me back for a really long time. But now I was like, there's, there's, I have nothing to lose. And once you enter that mindset of like, you've done so much to us that I'm not allowing this or we're not going to allow this anymore, it, it brings a different mentality mm-hmm. um, and a different attitude to light. Right. And I think at its root, like the government, you know, the, the idea of this government was supposed to be like for the people made by the people. Mm-hmm. Right. And so that's why I think it's cool to see like, you know, locals and, and especially like with immigrant backgrounds kind of really represent the city. 
But I think a lot of times too, the people in power, they've been in power for so long, or it's you know families of power, that kind of thing, generational wealth. Mm -hmm. They do they do those tactics to smear other people's campaigns mm -hmm. to kind of, oh well, that's why you don't run because you're just like a almost I don't want for lack of a better word, but you're just like a you're from a peasant background, that kind of thing, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And, and so that's why you know their family or their friends kind of get to continue to hold those offices, yeah. or whether that's at a local level, state level, national level, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And there's very few people that are very like encouraged to get into that because of the different challenges because of different backgrounds and i'm sure you know like you know they may dig up something from either a long time ago or you know your family that member did a long time ago and that can you know kind of really be almost embarrassing sometimes to the point where like oh i gotta like yeah back out of this now but it's i don't know props to you for continuing to do it through all that adversity that you face thank you mm -hmm. thank you i really appreciate that mm -hmm. you know and um yeah, I mean, we have, what, six days left? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I tell everybody, I'm like, I live in constant fear. Like, yeah. what is going to be said about me, mm -hmm. you know? Because we're seeing how disgusting things can turn um, and how, like, vicious things can be. Right. And so it's one of the reasons why I also wanted to run. I wanted to change the way the politics work in the city. Yeah. And why are we so comfortable, like, mm. uh, bringing other people down, yeah. you know, in order to gain something in return mm -hmm. and so i think that the war three race in in one small way is a good example of you're able to campaign mm -hmm. without having to attack each other yeah um and so you know it's er too early to say that <laughs> because <laughs> there are six days left yeah um so knock knock on wood but uh but hopefully we'll, we will be able to end the cycle without having to be the way that it's mm -hmm. always been done here in the city yeah changing the narrative too that's going to help i think get more honorable people into politics whether mm -hmm. it is local city level county state and further and more. Mm -hmm. because you know i think there's a lot of people good people who probably should be in those positions mm -hmm. that are turned away from it and doing something else and maybe you know they might be doing great things but they could also be doing great things for their community for their state for the nation had they not been turned away by all the like the nasty hate and spewage because i think a lot of times too you know a lot of times people don't even pay attention to local politics and they just think national stuff mm -hmm. and i feel like the last two elections you know like this year and, and then the 2016 election for presidential i mean those were pretty bad shit shows you know like those are like the debates that they aired like weren't even really debates yeah. it was just very unorganized well, I mean, even this this election year yeah. at the federal level right yeah. we had I can honestly say I didn't tune into the presidential debates mm -hmm. because I knew I was going to be a shut show. Yeah. I had better things to do in my time, mm -hmm. quite quite honestly. Mm -hmm. And um, and even now when we talk to young people or people of all ages, they're just like, I'm so turned off by the politics at the national level. Mm -hmm. Like, we're bombarded like day in and day out mm -hmm. that I don't even have capacity for the local stuff. Yeah. And I'm trying to explain like, but the local is the most important. Right. Part. If you're going to yeah. fill out any part of the ballot, you know, fill out the local part of the yeah. ballot. I mean, you should fill it out uh, completely. But the reality is that people don't fill it out completely. Right. Um, I know a lot of families that just voted for Joe Biden and Kamala and returned it. Yeah. Um, and a lot of that is because of the language that's on the ballot. You know, yeah. the proposition language. I had to sit down with my with my yeah. dad and my mom and explain it to them. Um, and, and and I think that studies show that, you know, you have to have a master's or, a, or like a PhD degree to be able to understand Dang. the significance of what they're saying. Yeah. And so people get confused by the proposition language and we have to have a conversation about whether this is intentional or not. Mm -hmm. And so I think that, yeah, people are super overwhelmed. I don't blame people for saying my vote doesn't count. Yeah. <laughs> um, but 
part of being a candidate is like having that conversation with them and helping them understand in a different way that uh, how impactful your vote, your voice is at the local level and why you should care. Right. Um, And hey, we're talking about these are the three issues that you're seeing here. Well, guess what? That is directly tied to the person that represents you. Mm -hmm. And this is why you should vote. Right. Um, So I think those are all the things that sometimes people are just like, you're not going to vote? Okay, whatever, moving on. But to me, it's like, Voter engagement is something that I take so seriously mm-hmm. um, because nobody ever took my family into consideration right. um, or my vote, right? Like, I, I was ridiculed for that. And so that is what we're also trying to change with our candidacy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think, you know, the people the people at the top, right, They I think they do that on purpose, right? They make sometimes the they highlight the ugly parts of the national politics to discourage mm-hmm. anyone getting into local. And I also think, too, it sucks that there's no platform for you know or as big as a platform to where you know you can tune into the local mayor candidates or the local city council candidates kind of debate back and forth Mm -hmm. and just have a dialogue right we don't ever have that kind of conversation and that's really what kind of inspired me to do some of this with other local Mm -hmm. people from Santa Ana, Garden Grove etc etc so I just think that you know we we need to expand as far as the local platform so we can hear more about those local candidates and then that it's going to help the voter turn out but like you said too the the language on that the propositions like I spent like two hours like did you really? on different websites yeah just trying to like get you know because some websites will kind of give you a short gist mm-hmm. but then it's like well, what does that really mean and then mm-hmm. you know there's more websites that will kind of go into detail about yes more details about no and it's it's kind of exhausting not gonna lie I just no. finished it I'm yeah, gonna turn it, it in after this interview actually but I feel really good about it because I know in 2012 I, I turned 18 that year so I did get to vote in the think Obama Mitt Romney election mm-hmm. and honestly I just filled out for Obama left the rest mm-hmm. of the thing blank 2016 in that election um, I did vote for everybody but I didn't have an idea of exactly what like those local candidates for you know the school district mm-hmm. or city council whatever was up at that time I didn't have any idea just you know you have to give you that brief description mm-hmm. like you know teacher or whatever like yeah the ballot I kinda designation went, I kind of went off of that and I was just like oh they were a teacher they're probably good for a district <laughs> job you know and that's what I would do you know but this year I really like took it to heart because one I'm interviewing all these people but two I just I feel like if you really want to be about the change like you have to kind of do the work and it's just like anything and that's something I've learned through like sports and just like trying to get into this like journalism career you know at the end of the day like if you're really passionate about it and you want to see either progress or whatever it is in that sport or field you're gonna have to like put in some time and you know it's kind of draining honestly but no, once yeah. i finished it it felt really good last night so i'm you know excited good to turn for it you. in yeah congrats <laughs> and it's you know it's not a small thing um because like you said it took you two hours yeah. right like of your mental energy and, just for the propositions yeah too. <laughs> and so good for you yeah thank you so obviously to your mention that you've been prepared for this for a year but how did covid kind of affect the preparations and oh, your plan God. overall what didn't COVID do? <laughs> um, well, you know, I think for a really long time, there was one way of campaigning, the traditional way of campaigning. And so when COVID knocked on our door, said no more. You know, you can't go out and knock on doors. Mm-hmm. You're not going to have these face-to-face conversations. Um, and so personally speaking, I know that that pushed our plans a couple months back. Um, and... I'm very, very fortunate that Team JLo is scrappy, that they're innovative, that they're so savvy and smart. And so we were able to 
take some time off and just reassess the situation and say, hey, well, if I'm a voter, how do I want to be approached? What ways do we want to engage young people, all people in War 3? Mm-hmm. Um, and so we moved from that standpoint. And so, you know, making sure that we were available on all social media channels, making sure that um, we were reaching out to folks from all backgrounds, mm-hmm. um, from all neighborhoods, not just like the most prominent neighborhoods in War 3, um, and just letting them know, hey, we're here. We are an option for you. Yeah. Um, that is the most important thing. Like you have an option this election year. You don't have to uh, vote how you think that you should be voting, right? Yeah. Um, the most traditional candidates. And so COVID really changed the way that we campaign and and the impact of the conversations that we were having because even now, like, we have such a small amount of time to talk to people mm-hmm. that we don't want to just say fluff. We want to say really important things that right. are going to impact them, um, that they're going to connect with. And so, you know, talking about that, I think that we should also talk about you know, money mm-hmm. um, in, in campaigns. And I know that money is a big issue for candidates like myself, mm-hmm. right? That aren't being funneled by developers yeah. or by special interests that don't have these massive packs yeah. behind them like we're seeing in other candidates. Um, and so sometimes you think about, oh my God, it's going to take me like, what, $50,000 yeah. to run a field program? Can I uh, fundraise $50,000? Probably not. So maybe yeah. I shouldn't be a candidate, right? Yeah. Um, so things like that were the things that we had to take into consideration and make sure that like, if we couldn't come up with $50,000, then how are we going to be able to do organic outreach? Yeah. And so moving from that standpoint was really, really important for us. Mm-hmm. And now Ward 3 is a pretty... A diverse part of mm-hmm. Santana, correct? What, what, you know, just for the listeners, what like yeah. exactly is Ward Three? So Ward Three is everything north. So mm-hmm. coming this way mm-hmm. of Seventeenth Street. So okay. we are currently at Portola Park, yeah. which is in north, uh, which is in Ward Three, um, and from Fairview to Tustin Boulevard mm-hmm. encompasses all of North Three, mm-hmm. and then it kind of drops down. And it wraps around Cabrillo Park and Marbury Park, mm, okay. and so it's a it's a weird looking ward when you look <laughs> at like the map. Um, but yeah, Ward Three is very diverse, mm-hmm. um, diverse uh, uh, like socioeconomically, mm-hmm. diverse in terms of like the people that live here, languages, mm-hmm. um, and so you know, it, I'm very I I love my ward. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that it gets. When we think about War 3, I don't think that the majority of people think about, like, other parts of War 3. Right. Um, and so, to me, my candidacy is, like, highlighting that, right? That diversity mm-hmm. within War 3 and that not all of us care about one thing. We can care about many things. Mm-hmm. Um, and it can be rooted in equity and inclusion. Mm-hmm. What are some of the struggles that you've dealt with as far as reaching out to all the members of War 3 and can- the people who vote in to War 3? Yeah. Um, Probably language barrier. Mm-hmm. There's a um, like I only speak English and Spanish, mm-hmm. and we have folks that are Korean, Vietnamese, people um, from other parts of of the, of the world, and so that has been a struggle for me. Mm-hmm. But um, like I understood that coming into this race, and so we made our website available in Spanish and Vietnamese for folks who have that option, mm-hmm. um, and just trying to get people the, the biggest struggle is just trying to get people to turn t- to vote honestly yeah. um because of what we were talking about mm-hmm. um i think the presidential election has turned off 
a lot of people. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of people truthfully aren't happy with the choices that they have yeah. at the presidential level. And so they're just like, well, I'm not going to participate at all. Mm-hmm. You know, and so I don't blame folks for feeling that way. I was once, you know, a voter mm-hmm. that was like, my vote doesn't count, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Um, but, you know, having those conversations has been the toughest part. Like, even now, like, I still get people that are like, I'm not voting. Yeah. You know, like, don't come to my door again. And yeah. I was like, I, I have to respect your choice. Yeah. You know, you can't force anyone to participate in what they don't want to, wow. you know, if they don't have faith in the system. Right. And so I think for us, that's why it's so critical and so important that, um, number one, that we win this race so that we can change the narrative of what happens when people like us get don't into fall, yeah. into these uh, seats of power mm-hmm. because so far it hasn't been positive for mm-hmm. us right and and we can talk about representation but our council is a pro- majority all latino council mm-hmm. and yet we're still seeing um how how much they're still sidelining our communities mm-hmm. and not taking into consideration like the environmental injustices that are happening here mm-hmm. um not taking into consideration that half of of, of, of the population in santana are renters mm-hmm. um and there's they're they're squirt tailing around these policies that could help bring true like uh stabilization to our families yeah um, and for what because they're being funded by the apartment association wow and for what because they're being funded by private luxury developers yeah you know like what is the cost mm-hmm. of, of that mm-hmm. well let's get into that it seems like you're very <laughs> pa- passionate about the housing but also too like what are some other like you know things that you very feel very passionate about if you're given the position or you know win the position at city council or what are some of those things you want to bring to the table yeah i think how, like rent control is something that i've been very open and upfront about mm-hmm. um that is something a policy that i would champion that i would definitely support um again you know i born and raised here i had to see my mom work two to three jobs mm-hmm. you know to be able to provide a roof for her children and I think that fundamentally, there's something wrong with that. Yeah. Um, and I think that sometimes we'll say, well, government shouldn't have a say in, in, in my life, right, in my property. Mm-hmm. Um, but can we think about how that impacts kids growing yeah. up in the city? Um, can we think about what the long-term effects of that are going to be? And if you're so heavily invested in, in, in public safety, then don't you want to do everything to mm-hmm. prevent um, things going the wrong way in our communities? Right. And I wholeheartedly believe that rent control is something that can provide stabilization for our families. Mm-hmm. Um, and it can provide families, you know, single dads, single moms, family units to be home and not have to work two to three jobs, yeah. you know, just to just to pay for the rent you know i i know growing up there was there wasn't a lot of like parental supervision in my life because there were there were surviving yeah you know and so those are the things that i think that we also when we talk about rent control we must think about Mm -hmm. um yeah and again i'm very passionate about like (laughs) environmental justice Mm -hmm. um you know we this that isn't like an isolated thing for me i know that 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 is important to a lot of people here like we all live in this planet yeah and it's scary to think that we only have like what seven to ten years Mm -hmm. before what like what is gonna happen right and this year we saw these heat waves we're seeing all these wild fires Mm -hmm. um and so why wouldn't we as a city want to do everything that we can to curb that to prevent that yeah um and so that's another pillar of our campaign and also you know co-governance is something that we've been proud to 
to stand on from the very beginning and say, if we really want to be representative of our communities, then we need to know and be in tune with the issues that all of the members of District 3 face. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, getting to know people and talking to them and understanding and writing these policy briefs to make sure that when we win, we can go back and say, OK, let's address this, mm-hmm. you know, and make sure that all of the promises that we made uh, come to fruition, mm-hmm. because that's another reason why people don't want to engage. Yeah. It's like I've heard this before. Why are you different? Right. Yeah. You know, yeah. like why should yeah. yeah, they don't trust politicians. And so we need to rebuild the relationships between local elected leaders and the community, because Right now, there's a complete distrust. Um, nobody likes who's at the council, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah, yeah. You know? Um, and so people want change, and people are ready to come out, I think. And uh, uh, the people that are engaged to vote and say, listen, no more. We're not going to take this any any, any longer. And um, if you want to keep your seat, you're going to have to act right. Yeah. And going back to the environmental thing, I think it's crazy. We, we take the earth for granted, right? I think a lot of people don't even know or are aware that how much we burn off certain things and you know just the amount of like whether it's like waste or like you know how we overfish or you know we're eventually going to run out of like something kind of major pretty soon like you said seven to ten i've never heard that soon but that sounds a lot scarier than like i've heard like 20 30 years so like i think even people hearing that they're like oh 20 30 like we'll figure it out in 15 you know they're kind of like we'll have time but i think yeah like if you you got to press that issue now Uh, and there's people and there's you know a bunch of scientists and people working on stuff like that right using smarter energy sources or just different ways right but it just seems like uh those they're not very highlighted and they're not very funded and obviously like you know you look at bigger picture like you know like you look at oil and gas companies those are like those people really like are like the top one percenters of the country you know what i mean so for that for you know them to really have the kind of the power they're not going to let you know electric cars or whatever smarter cleaner energy kind of overtake their market because they've been holding on to that money since you know the early 1900s mm-hmm. so it's really like a huge conflict between capitalism and then doing what's right for the environment and that kind of stuff you yeah know? um i was listening to this podcast and they were talking about like water consumption mm-hmm. and they broke it down so beautifully for me like my mind just was like holy crap mm-hmm. you know and they said something along the lines of like think about it like we reuse the same body of water mm-hmm. like if we run out of water like where are we gonna get more water from yeah you know <laughs> it's like oh shoot you're right you know like we we tend to think about like the ocean being there or yeah. or all these like other resources but no you're right we only have one body of water and like yeah. we keep recycling it we keep reusing it um and that to me was like really concerning Mm -hmm. and so that is you know when i think about like having a family like do i want to have kids if if the world is gonna blow up you know know? so things like that i think that are are questions that i think a lot of like millennials are having yeah so that's something i've heard a lot too is like we're like people my generation are turned away from having kids because of that reason and it's like well yeah it's it's true you know it's something to take into consideration <laughs> yeah, not to. even just from an environmental standpoint too but with all the hate and just kind of just different stuff being pushed yeah. in our faces that almost seems like to divide us further apart than rather than bring us together and it's on a you know international scale right you know there's yeah. a lot of things coming to light this year specifically that you can't even say it's just our country or this just the area it's kind of like international yeah. you know like what like you know just the different things going on in armenia Nigeria, that kind of stuff, the different genocides going on. It's just, it's ugly. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Yeah. Well, before we wrap things up, 
what are some other goals that you have for your campaign and just the rest of 2020, whether it's personal? Um, personal goals for 2020, definitely to take some time off mm -hmm. and relax. I've been in like three election cycles, like consecutively. Mm -hmm. um, and so just to debrief and spend time with my family and my friends who have so graciously allowed me to be absent from their life like mm -hmm. this entire year. Um, I think moving forward, I mean, we'll see in six days what happens, but mm -hmm. I think that regardless of the outcome of that, like you can still expect to see me around and yeah. expect to see me be vocal about the issues that I care about in my community and to support candidates that I believe in wholeheartedly um, and be involved in the electoral process here locally. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, you know, those are like short term goals for me. Mm -hmm. And maybe, I don't know, go back to school. Who knows? Oh, nice. Yeah. Any particular field you want to get into? Maybe, like, sociology, mm -hmm. you know, go back. I really love sociology and mm -hmm. the study of how everything intersects so socially. And so, um, yeah, I mean, those are all things that, ideas that are in my mind right now. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Well, before I end shows, I like to, like, ask these kind of, like, fun, introspective uh, questions to kind of get the audience to get to know you a little bit better. Mm -hmm. um, if you could have any toppings on a pizza, what would it be? Okay, I love a garbage-looking pizza, so I throw everything on there except okay. for black olives. Uh -huh. um, but I also love, like, Chicago-style pizza, Ooh. like that pie. Okay. Um, and on the other hand, I love the focaccia-looking pizza, where it's, like... Super flat? Super uh, flat, yeah. like the Italian style. I really like that with artichokes and sundry tomato and pesto. Okay. That's delish. Have you ever been to Selma's uh, deep dish pizza? And like, it's in South County. No, I haven't. Yeah, there's there's one in RSM and then one in I think Mission Viejo. Oh, really good. You should really? check it out. Okay. <laughs> yeah. If you could talk to any person in history or multiple people, dead or alive, who would they be? My grandpa. Mm -hmm. um, both of my grandfathers. Uh, passed away before I could like have any like talks with him mm -hmm. um, and I only hear stories about my grandfather from my mom mm -hmm. and so he's somebody that I wish I could speak to and just learn more about you know his life in El Salvador mm -hmm. wow. That's nice. mm -hmm. if you were stranded on an island but food and water provide provided yeah. what were three things you'd want to bring to pass the time my rollerblades uh, something to draw with and my phone. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And Given then, the <laughs> fact that it would have Wi-Fi. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Makes or sense. some phone sort of internet like, connection. Yeah. yeah. Like a package. Okay. Yeah. And then last question: If you could give any advice to your younger self, what would it be? Oh shoot. <laughs> <laughs> um, that things get better. Mm -hmm. That things will get better. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. We really appreciate you again for taking the time out your day. And, uh, you know, before you go, go ahead and plug, like, any website or information that you'd like to, you know, leave with the listeners. Okay, cool. Um, well, my name's Jesse Lopez. To learn more about myself or my campaign, go to votejessilopez.com. We are on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Uh, our handles are votejessilopez. Um, also, uh, most folks know that I'm part of Rise Up Willowick, and that's still a campaign here in the city of Santana that's fighting for 102 acres of public land, green space, um, and we could help... We could always use support in uplifting that campaign. And um, one of the asks that we're having to do now is um, asking city council members to not adopt the general plan mm -hmm. because not enough community outreach has been done. Mm -hmm. And so if folks could support our ask, um, that would be great. Okay. Awesome. Well, yeah. thank you again for, uh, for being on the show. Yeah. Thank you so much, Paul.
boom that's going to wrap it up for another episode of the my mike and i podcast hey if you want inf- more information about jesse lopez go check out votejessilopez.com she is running for ward three city council of the city of santa Ana. so be sure to check her out and guys please 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 go vote make sure you guys exercise your right to vote there's a lot of people who don't want us to vote just plain and simple uh they don't want people of this you know i guess you could say minorities they don't want people of color they don't want people in these environments to vote they're really doing their best to turn us off from voting not only from a national level but from a state and local level too so i highly encourage you guys to educate yourselves please go vote i just turned mine in on wednesday october 28th i probably spent like six seven hours of research trying to get my ballot done but man once i finished fucking felt fantastic and you know i know some of you guys get discouraged i vote didn't really matter blah 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 the candidates suck at the presidential election but guess what? There's a whole lot of other important elections and, and stuff that needs to be uh, that needs that needs your vote for and needs your voice to be heard on, especially at a local level, guys. I know the president definitely represents our country as a whole, but more so the city council people, mayors, people at the you know district boards, they are going to impact your life much more, more, much more. I don't know why I said more twice than any president will ever do in your entire life obviously with the exception of like maybe a war or something like that but goodness gracious i hope you guys go vote um i know you guys have been getting drilled at this whole entire year and this whole voting season but it's really important that you guys do let your voice be heard and let the voices of the mass be heard because there's a lot of people who can't vote that are still trying to push progress and it's time to be you know to to, to talk that you can talk the talk but you got to walk the walk at the end of the day please put that time in do your research go vote and yeah i'm not going to ramble on too much here in the outro hope you guys continue to chase dreams not checks continue to uh you know pursue your goals and overcome any obstacles that you may be facing this year taking care of your mental health never stop seeking knowledge and uh, again at my period mike and period i on instagram at underscore noah alvarez on twitter those two blessed places to get a contact of me if you look to you know want to contact me about the show i am selling some stickers too all the proceeds go to back to this podcast investing in better equipment for you guys to hear better audio maybe a better sound better visuals everything so that all goes back please check out those social media pages for more information on the sticker giveaway as well as thank you to generic sports for producing the instrumental playing in the background and vince correa for designing the my mic and i logo that you are seeing on your screen thank you guys for listening all the way through really appreciate you guys hope you guys have a blessed week month stay safe during and after the elections and let's make change in this world yo starts one day one moment at a time that being said i'm noah alvarez the host of the my mike and i podcast signing off till next time